Hey, good morning, good evening, good, good, good night, whenever you're listening to this. This is on a Tuesday. I um, hope that you're enjoying our journey through Scripture. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. And uh, we are uh, going to be finishing over the next two weeks. Uh, we're going to finish the book of Exodus. Uh, so today we're going to be in Exodus chapter uh, 21 through 23. So if you remember, we talked about the uh, Ten Commandments uh, in depth. Uh, last week, and so now we're moving forward from that. So if you want to take a moment to pause and to read Exodus 21 through 23, you can uh, pause now and then join us right back. All right, so we, we know of the Ten Commandments, and they are obviously the foundational principles, the, the building blocks, uh, if you will, uh, of of a biblical foundation, a biblical worldview, a, a godly worldview. Uh, but that, that wasn't the only part of the law that God gave to the people. Remember, what God is doing now is He, is, uh, he has brought this people group out of slavery from Egypt. Uh, he has been working with this people group since Abraham. Right? Well, now they are going to be forming into a, a true, what could be considered nation. Right? They are a group of people. Well, when you're a group of people, you have to figure out how you're going to interact with each other. How are you going to uh, solve problems? All of those things. Uh, but, but even more than that, that's what all people groups have to do. This is a people group who is going to be the example to the rest of the world of, of godly principles, of a godly worldview. Right? So this is very important. And so God goes into lots of in-depth things and talks about uh, the law, and here's how you need to interact with each other. Uh, as you read chapters 21 through 23, um, you realize very quickly, um, wait, we're reading something that wasn't published in the year 2021. Right? This was published many, many years ago. So there are cultural differences. Right? It was written to a specific people group in a specific period of time. And so understand that when you're reading it. That doesn't mean that what is said still doesn't apply today. Some of it does. Some of it, it's changed or it applies in a little bit different way. Um, but don't get caught up in that. Um, so many people, that's an easy excuse to, to say, well, I, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense. No one would uh, gouge the eye out of somebody, right? Uh, and it's like, okay, one, that may not be exactly what that's talking about. Two, there's cultural things. They would be hearing that in a different way than we hear that. And uh, many times we just use that as an excuse just to disregard um, you know, many of the things written in the Bible. And I just encourage you uh, not to do that. Uh, there are some things that aren't going to completely make sense or that we are going to struggle with. Uh, but that's okay. That doesn't uh, mean that this isn't valid and it doesn't make a difference in our lives today. So chapter 21, uh, remember we're coming off of, of chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments. I do want to read really quickly because this is just important uh, to know. And all of this is being given to the people right now, right? The, God is speaking this uh, to Moses. Uh, Moses is relaying this information uh, to the people uh, and in chapter 20, verse 22, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites this, You have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of silver 
or gods of gold. All right, so th- this is just a, in literary terms, and my English teacher in high school would be very proud. This is called foreshadowing, right? We, it is looking forward, and when you read something down the road, you should remember this. Remember that God has already emphasized the importance of not having any other gods before him, which would make this people group unique to the rest of the world. Right? The rest of the world had plenty of gods. They didn't struggle with the belief in deities. They struggled with the belief of having one deity. This is vital for us to understand. This is a uh, the reason it's emphasized over and over again is this was completely countercultural that there is only one God, one God who created uh, everything and one God who we should be worshiping. So chapter 21 immediately goes, the first line says, if you buy a Hebrew servant, servant, all right, our 2021 ears hear that and go, why would you even be addressing any type of slavery or treating people as servants? You know, we all know that to be wrong, right? That is immoral. Um, we, we all recognize that with our 2021 20, ears and eyes, even though as long as you don't look at what's really going on in the world, uh, there's still slavery going on today in 2021. But hey, you know what? Let's just focus here and let's just condemn what the Bible is saying. It's a lot easier to do that, right? So why would the Bible even talk about slavery and not just say slavery is wrong the end okay a couple things one many times this is talking about indentured servanthood right so that was actually a way that you could pay off your debts or that you could get a job that you could kind of sell yourself as an indentured servant so that you did technically belong to someone which is bad right but you belong to someone, and then you worked for them. The, a lot of what is being said here in chapter 21 deals with that. And so it's going again and saying, um, but you should treat your servants with respect, with dignity, that you treat them as actual people. Um, the, it is also important, this was the common thing throughout the world. In fact, through all of world history, Slavery, indentured servanthood has just been the norm. And one way to keep people from following you or agreeing to your set of principles, if you're trying to, to uh, mold a people group uh, into uh, to being your, uh, your mouthpiece, um, the, the way that you can end that in a hurry is to tell them things that don't even make sense to them. Right, it wouldn't even comprehend. They couldn't comprehend how world the world would even work without slavery and indentured servanthood. And so, what the Bible is doing constantly is it is changing the way that people relate to each other, even in those situations, and that that eventually leads to the elimination of slavery. Right? Who the Christ, Christians and churches were the driving force of uh, uh, leading to the elimination of slavery here in the United States. Um, and of course, we're also not always, our view of slavery is not always the, the issue that's being talked about in the Bible. We know that our view of slavery was based on race, it was brutal, it was ugly, um, and 
and it, it clearly is not affirmed anywhere in the Bible. So when the Bible is talking about this, it is, it's changing the way that people interacted, even in that culture. Um, and it would eventually lead to um, uh, the Judeo-Christian uh, principles that would lead to the abolishment of slavery, and at least to where most people now see that as repugnant. Um, however, go read and research modern-day slavery, and you'll realize there are still people who don't seem to have a problem with treating other people as less than. So we see 21 talks about uh, you know, uh, treating slaves and things like that. Um, it continues on. You start to get into personal in- injuries. Again, how do we, how do we deal with uh, interpersonal conflict within this group of people? Another uh, issue that is one that we have to wrestle with is you will see the term, if, if someone commits this, they should be put to death. And you see that actually quite a bit throughout the Old Testament, especially in these, these times. It's, it's very interesting, and there's different theories on this. It's like, was this prescripting this type of punishment? That, that In fact, verse 17, anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. All right? If that is to be completely taken literally, right, then pretty much all children are to be killed. Because at some point, all children curse their parents, right? Like they, they dishonor them. They, they wish that they didn't have anything to do with them, all of this. So is that to be taken completely literally? Okay, we can debate this, and a lot of people will look at this and say, oh, how unreasonable. I think there's probably a cultural thing going on. What this does is it is certainly used for emphasis of these are important things that cursing, and again, this cursing goes beyond just being upset with your parents and talking. It's like actually cursing them, wishing them harm, uh, wishing bad and evil to happen to them. Um, But it's elevating the importance of what is being said. Right. There's, in fact, most of these laws, there is no evidence in Jewish history at all that anyone was put to death for it other than things like murder. Right. There is no evidence that anyone was ever put to death because they cursed their mother or their father. Right. So this is one of those things that we can struggle with. Uh, if you want to use this as an excuse just to discount everything, you can, but I think we do that at our peril. Um, but uh, the, one of the best ways to look at it is when you read that, don't focus on the put to death. Focus on, okay, this is serious, right? We, we shouldn't curse our mother and father, right? Like these are important things. Um, and, and so that we can still uh, gain some wisdom and some insight uh, from that, even though we struggle maybe with some of the, the context that is there. Um, verse 22 or 24 um, uses the phrase eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That's something that um, causes lots of debate. Um, it, it's interesting because we see that and we, we kind of recoil and say, oh, that's, you know, what, what do you mean by that? Is that? That's not always fair, things like this. This was a revolutionary idea. Um, that basically 
punishment should be should fit the crime, right? So what the, the crime is, the punishment should fit that crime. Um, and it shouldn't be beyond. See, this is, I, I, if you know, know me, if you've been to any of our sermons, sometimes I will uh, talk about my fascination with the, with the mob, even though I know technically they, know, they don't exist, in case any mobsters are watching. They don't exist. But the mob is, a, is an interesting example, right, because of why eye for eye was transformative. Because what happens is if one uh, uh, kind of uh, mob man gets taken out by another uh, family, well, then this family responds by taking out two of theirs. Then this family responds by taking out one of the kids of the mob's boss. Then this family responds by taking out the godfather, right? So it just is a constant escalation, right? What the Bible was doing is saying, okay, when someone wrongs you, yes, we need to address that, but you don't address it by burning down the world, right? That there should be a, uh, a, a, an, an equalness here, that we should strive for that. Um, that actually shows mercy. It actually shows grace. Uh, it also shows God's desire for justice. Um, so the eye for an eye thing actually is, is something that is very important and something that we need to be holding on to today, that there needs to be punishment for, uh, for sinfulness, uh, but that it is a, that we strive to have an equalness to that, that it, that the punishment doesn't exceed the crime. Right. So then we continue to go on. Uh, chapter 22, uh, again, is all about property. Um, this, is, this is important. The Bible uh, clearly acknowledges um, property, ownership, that the things that belong to you are important, and that whenever you uh, take those things or steal them, that that, that, that is sinfulness. That is, uh, you know goes against a biblical foundation. Um, and and that's, that's important for us to, us to understand because uh, sometimes we kind of wish, well, I just wish every, we could just all, all share um, and that everyone would just you know, give equally. Okay, that goes against human nature. It will. And so there needs to be an understanding of the importance of, of property and of ownership, but then we need to uh, respect that uh, as well. And so we see that in, in uh, uh, chapter 22. Uh, verse 16 of chapter 22, um, this is kind of interesting. It says, if a man seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price and she shall be his wife. Uh, if her father refuses to give her to him, he must still pay, pay the bride price uh, for uh, virgins. All right. This is kind of interesting. The Bible it, when it deals with sexual things, um, it's, it's kind of interesting. It, it's interesting how it deals with it. Um, basically, it, it sees the uh, act of, of sex between a man and a woman, that that is to be done in a committed relationship, that they are committed to each other, uh, that it is uh, to be reserved uh, for the marriage relationship. This, this uh, law acknowledges and realizes, okay, that's not how things always work, right? We do know that. Um, but uh, what this law is protecting, it was uh, protecting the woman. Um, this is not necessarily saying even in a case of rape, 
this could be applied uh, to consensual, um, but it's recognizing that sex leads is designed to be in a in a uh, meaningful relationship um, uh, at the very least, right? And of course, I, I think the overall view of that is that it's designed for for marriage. Um, but it, but it is designed to be in a uh, meaningful relationship uh, at the very least, and I, I think the idea of uh, you know of, of you know casual sex things like that clearly go against the biblical worldview, right? And and if we're honest with ourselves, we see how that causes problems, right? Um, not saying that there may not be some fun in that, right? We can also acknowledge from a human standpoint, but we also recognize, man, this brings up a lot of challenges, a lot of issues that society has to deal with. What if we actually all strive to, to keep the biblical principle here and the biblical idea of how Sex is designed to be uh, practiced within a, in a within a covenantal relationship. Um, we so we, we see that uh, here in chapter twenty two, chapter twenty three. I, I want to take a minute. I do want to read just the first part of chapter twenty three. This is this is incredible um, and so important. It says, "Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong." When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd, and do not show favoritism to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you come across an enemy's ox or donkey wandering, I'm going to skip that part, sorry, uh, verse 6, goes to do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with false charge. Do not put an innocent or honest person to death, uh, for I will not acquit the guilty. All right. There's so many different directions I could go here that I think directly apply to things that are going on right now. But I love the biblical perspective is that, you know what, maybe we should start treating people all as people, not as a specific group. That we don't look at this group over here and say, oh, this is a poor people group. We're going to treat them this way. And then we look over here and say, oh, this is a wealthy people group. We're going to treat them this way. Within three or four verses, it actually, the Bible talks about the, the danger of going to either extreme, especially when it comes to dealing with the uh, relationship between rich and poor. It says, do not show favoritism to poor. Right? So there are those who we, we want to to help. Our heart goes out to those who are hurting. That doesn't mean that we don't help them. That doesn't mean that we don't engage. But we should not be treating them differently, especially when it comes in the eyes of, of the law and righteousness and what is right and wrong. But it also, the other temptation is that we treat the poor bad, right? And we're going to elevate the wealthy or the elevate the people who uh, fit our class better. And so within three verses, the Bible also says, but do not deny justice to poor people in your lawsuits, right? So maybe one of the best ways that we can move forward as a society is start to treat people in all aspects as people created in the image of God. Um, I think that's a fairly safe way to go, and we all should uh, should strive to do that. Um, and I any any teaching or idea 
that goes against that, even if it has good intentions, I believe will lead, has the potential to lead to evil. Um, and we need to be very, very ca- uh, careful with that. Uh, the end of chapter 3, the very last uh, uh, verse, a uh, couple verses says, Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. So this again is God telling the people, I'm going to be with you, but you are going to have to choose and you're going to have to commit to follow me or you will start following other gods. Just if you're watching this and you have committed your life to to believing in God, you have to commit each day to continue following him. Because guess what? The world is pushing many other gods, many other allegiances, many other ideologies at us. And if we are not careful, we can easily start incorporating those or following those. And God knew how serious that was. And for this group of people, they had to make sure that they were following him and him alone. All right. So next week, or not next week, on Thursday, our next uh, episode, we will be going through chapters 24 through 31. So I encourage you to read Exodus chapters 24 through 31. All right, we'll see you on Thursday. Have a great day.